6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. So the term build back better is one of those sayings that has come out of the pandemic. But what does what does that look like for, for you? The pandemic, of course, has given uh, a lot of us pause for thought on what is important to us and what we want out of our governments. Our next guest says as we contemplate a post-pandemic future, he wants government leaders to not only build back better, but to prioritize building back accessibly to create a more inclusive and accessible province, country, and world for people of all abilities. Brad McCannell is the Vice President of Access and Inclusion for the Rick Hansen Foundation. Brad, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I had the great fortune of living in Edmonton for a couple of years back in the 70s, and uh, so I'm very fond of people in Edmonton. Oh, well, we're happy to have you on the air this afternoon. You know what, Brad? I think a, a lot of people don't think about accessibility until something isn't accessible to them or to someone that they love, right? Um, and uh, I, I know that Canada introduced accessibility legislation in 2019 my question for you is do you believe it's it's been enough have we seen movement enough movement on that on that front to to open more doors to people of all abilities well it's been tremendous the the uh, the shift in focus has been uh, led by carla quattro and, and the federal government has been magnificent and doors are definitely opening but uh the concern is that if we keep doing things the same old way and trying to address the issues around people with disabilities the same old way, then we're going to find ourselves up in the same old spot that like mm-hmm. we always do. Why, why do you see this time coming out of the pandemic as, as the perfect time, as a pivotal mo- moment to do things differently? Well, there's two things. Number one, uh, the general population has just got a taste of life with a disability. Uh, you know, in our community, we can't, can't help but smile when people say, oh, I, I can't take transit. Transit's not operating. I, I can't go here. I can't go there. And, and that's our world. You know, when transit's not accessible, when, when we can't be, when we're not full citizens, when we, when we can't just jump in a car or jump on a bus or get in a taxi and go downtown and, you know, whether it's have a drink or have a lunch or apply for a passport or join a protest, if we can't have access to the built environment like everyone else, then we're just not full citizens. So So that's part of it. So right out of the gate, the rest of the community has, has kind of seen how we've been forced to live for decades. Yeah, you you know, um, it was an eye opener the, um, in the last couple of years of my my mom in law's life as uh, her mobility reduced. Um, the places that we decided that we couldn't couldn't take her because uh, she was you know in a walker or in her wheelchair, and and it, it, that's when it hit home for for our family, and it was it was eye opening, but. Again, I think, as I said off the top, I think a lot of people don't think about it until they're faced with it. Well, and, and that's the classic, you know. When you look at the design community and the industry as a whole, they often regard people with disabilities as a few wheelchair guys. <laughs> and the problem is really right around mobility. And if you look at codes, you'd believe that. But, but it, it, it's just so far from the truth, you know. It, and it's actually, it makes, uh, I'm, a, I'm a quadriplegic, I'm a wheelchair user. It may seem odd coming from a wheelchair user, but the simple reality is that 
you know, wheelchair users and people with mobility impairments have dominated the codes, we've dominated the regulations, we've dominated the discussions since day one. Yeah, I mean, gosh, if you ask a person on the street about disability, the first thing that pops into their head would be a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know, the international symbol for people with disabilities is a wheelchair, and yet we represent roughly 30% of the population of people with disabilities. So when you're not addressing the other issues, you're missing the vast majority of users. You know? So where the World Health Organization says that we're over 1.3 billion people in the world have a disability, which not only makes this a market bigger than China, but uh, the other unique characteristic about our, our community is that it's the only one that any one of you can and, in fact, will join at any time. Yeah, and I was going to say, Brad, as as our as our population gets older uh, as well, I mean, as you said, it can happen at, at any time, but as our population gets older as well, I mean, this is going to be a real uh, reality, a real reality or a reality that's redundant, yeah. a reality for, for a lot of folks. So you, you wrote in a piece recently that the government of Alberta has committed to spending $3 billion over three years on provincial infrastructure, and you're calling on, on the Premier, on the province, to really take a close look at how it builds, rebuilds that infrastructure. And you're saying, you know, let's build a province where everyone can participate. Um, when, when you talk about participation, when we look at buildings that are completely accessible to everybody, what does that mean for our economy? What does that mean for people getting work? Uh. Well, let's just uh, let's just look at the retail and commercial sector for a second, because uh, the Conference Board of Canada recently released a really interesting report on this. They determined that if the retail and commercial section uh, sectors of the economy were accessible to people with disabilities, based on the Rick Hansen Foundation Accessibility Certification Program, so if, if they'd reached that level of access, then uh, it would. It equates to $16.8 billion a year in gross domestic product. Right now, 57% of people with disabilities who are ready, willing, and able to work, so not the whole community because some people just can't, but other people ready, willing, and able to work, 57% are either underemployed or unemployed completely. And that's just because of the retail and commercial spaces because it's not enough that you have a wheelchair accessible washroom on site. Your building has to have meaningful meaningful access, and to us that means the entire experience. So from the moment you arrive by bus or car or cab or walking to go through the front door, you know, the whole experience of of either using a a site for employment or being a customer, it's that whole experience, and codes are are trapped. They can only address, right now they're focused on mobility, but they only address certain issues and certain occupancies at certain times. So what we have now is this massive infrastructure spending, not only in Alberta, but right across the country. Every province is doing it. Every territory is doing it. But because they're doing it so quickly, everyone's building under a separate code or a separate regulation or maybe different user groups or different standards. And having all these standards all over the place means there's no consistency. There's no mm. there's no real understanding of what real access is and how to apply meaningful access. So now more than ever, we need common language and common methodology to define access so that it becomes measurable, so that we know how to move forward. So, how, so we understand that access breeds access. The more access you create, the more access you need. But that's a good thing. That's, 
that's the core of inclusion <laughs> when you start bringing people to the table. You talk about that kind of a harmonized approach to to accessibility and building codes and, and what we're looking at. Uh, you talk about uh, making sure that, that projects are, are reviewed as we continue to move forward or the next, uh, you know, in what we're building right now because we're going to be using that those buildings for the next 50, 60, <laughs> 70, 80 years. And, and that is something when I read your article, it's like, oh, great point, Brad. That's a really great point. I'm curious to know, though, and I, I'm sure some people would wonder about the cost. Does it does it does it cost more to build? And not that it should matter, Brad, but does it cost more to build uh, a completely accessible building? Well, honestly, we can't pretend that it doesn't matter. But the good news is, it does not cost more. We actually at the Rick Hansen Foundation commissioned an independent study from ACME Architecture and just said, what would it cost? What's the difference between doing Rick Hansen Foundation accessibility certified project and even a Rick Hansen certified gold project? What's the cost difference between, uh, you know, on a new building when you're at the design stage? And their their report, which is available on our website, uh, shows that there's no cost. Wow. There's no cost of thoughtful design. There's no thought for being for architects being informed, and even going to our gold level, which it's a very high bar, I might add. But uh, even going to that level, it represents less than one percent of your overall budget. Hmm. Now, in retrofits, it's a whole different deal. Retrofitting buildings is yeah. tremendously expensive, which is why I am just imploring people: don't make those mistakes again. <laughs> So the, and it, the first thing you have to know before you're even in the built environment or even uh, in the planned environment, the first thing you have to know is where you sit. You can't fix problems unless you know they're there. This is why the RHFAC, the Rick Hansen Foundation Accessibility Certification Program, was created to try to fill that gap between code and the real needs of the community and to identify what's actually there. You know, we're not the yeah. code police. We're here to tell you what's actually there so that you can act on it and move forward. It becomes a planning tool for management and ownership. Brad McCannell joining us this afternoon. We're going to have to leave it there. You talk about thoughtful design. Well, you certainly left us with a, a lot of food for thought this afternoon, Brad. And, and I hope that, um, you know, I, I hope that this is on the mind of, of builders, developers, planners as we as we continue to move forward because, uh, of course, you know, we, we should have... Um, we should have a world. We should have a province. We should have a city that is that is that is uh, uh, open and available to, to all. So thank you for joining me this afternoon. If I may, just leave you with one parting thought. Yes, sir. Just remember that access is not a design decision. Access is a management decision, <laughs> and it has to be. You know, it has to, if it's not treated that way, if it's not, if management doesn't set the target level of accessibility, then nothing happens. Architects will design whatever you tell them to. Brad, appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Brad McCannell joining us, the Vice President of Access and Inclusion for the Rick Hansen Foundation.